Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Under former mayors Richard M. Daly and Rahm Emanuel, the Chicago City Council had the highly publicized tag of being called rubber stamps for the mayor. In fact, councils have worn that label under a number of mayors, except maybe Harold Washington. But political scientists say things are different now, and this weekend we're going to hear how. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Pretty much every year, UIC political scientist Dick Simpson and his frequent co-author and former political consultant Tom Gradle put out a report on how closely or not the Chicago City Council follows the wishes of the mayor in power. I'll admit we don't do the story every year because, frankly, sometimes it's been the same story. Mayors say jump, councils say how high. But these are different times and a different council. And with a mayoral election shaping up, this is the perfect time to take stock again. We're going to look at this year's report entitled City Council Buries Its Rubber Stamp with its two main co-authors, Tom Gradle and Dick Simpson. They are both experts in Chicago politics and UIC Professor Simpson is a former Chicago alderman. And we are conducting this interview via Zoom, and Tom and Dick both thank you for joining me. Glad to be here, Craig. Yep. Uh, Let's start with the report itself, but uh, a little background. Rubber Stamp City Council certainly didn't start with Rich Daly. How traditional is the uh, phenomenon of the Rubber Stamp City Council? Well, the term was invented by Mike Royko to describe the Richard J. Daly City Council that existed from 50, 1955 um, until his death in 1976. So it, uh, it's a, a very traditional term. And as you described it, yes, it's when the aldermen literally rubber stamp whatever the mayor wants and the opposition is unable to pass anything. Now, from now or from the 50s, to now, and I, I did mention Harold Washington, but are there periods where it has been less the case than, uh, than, than more? Well, it certainly was also not the case under Eugene Sawyer, who followed Harold Washington. That was the most divided and confused and anarchic city council that we've had. Uh, in the case of Sawyer, where there were 387 divided roll call votes, in less than two years, uh, and he had to get a new majority every single issue. Uh, so it was quite different uh, than currently, but most of them have been rubber stamped to more or less degrees. Usually the mayor starts with a weaker rubber stamp council. Uh, that was even true under Richard J. Daley, uh, but the longer they stay in power, usually the more rubber stamp it becomes. Now, let me ask a question that I've I've probably raised with uh, you both before, um, but is it really a rubber stamp if, 
as was the case, I think, much with Daly and certainly a lot with Rahm Emanuel, where the things that the mayor wants get tweaked and changed in committee, which doesn't always get the kind of coverage, news coverage that it probably should, uh, so that what comes out is an amalgam of what the council wants and what the the mayor i mean doesn't that make it a little less of a rubber stamp tom well yeah, that's that's what's always said but the real question is whether or not when push comes to shove whether the mayor is going to get what the mayor wants and sometimes there's there's compromises but a lot of times there's an order that comes down from on top and i i think what one of the things that we have seen very recently is that the mayor doesn't have the political power that the old mayor Daly and Richard M. Daly had, where they can punish people and and actually make their life miserable if they don't go along. That's no longer an option uh, because of the times, you know, because of the mix on the on the city council, because of the public getting more interested and what their aldermen are doing. So it's it's becoming much more of a democratic body. And I don't, you know, we don't know much about what happens uh, in committee or what happens behind the scenes. You know, so we know what happens at city council because that's what's public. And I mean, so I think it's pretty obvious that there's been a change whether or not, you know, on the fringes and the back rooms and the, you know, other things happen. That's true. But I don't think there was any real compromises under under Richard J. Daly at all. I mean, you know, there were, there were orders and he 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 behaved that way. And he also talked that way. I mean, you know, you know, I'm, you're going to do what I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, let's talk about the current report, because uh, as you as you pointed out, Tom, uh, the city council itself has changed perhaps more than it had, uh, you know, in the past, and the mayor has changed. Uh, so, what what did your research find out about this city council and and why it is can't be labeled a rubber stamp city council? So, first of all, there were more divided roll call votes, about twice as many as under the same period with Rahm Emanuel and Richard M. Daly. There were 131 divided roll call votes over the three years. And secondly, there, as opposed to just like when I was alderman back in the 70s, there was the mayor uh, and his overwhelming group of supporters, about 40 some odd. And then uh, there were the opposition block, which was only seven at first and dwindled to three. And the, when we divided, we divided absolutely somewhat like council wars. Uh, and that was the way the council worked. Now, there are different blocks of voters uh, in the city council. We don't have political parties because they're all Democrats. At least they say they're all Democrats, uh, even though some of them are Republican and uh, Democratic clothing. But in general, they're all Democrats. Uh, so there isn't a party basis, but there are many different factions. And there are also many different um, uh, coalitions that form the Black Caucus, the Latino Caucus, the Gay Caucus, and so forth. So that you have multiple interests being expressed 
And as they vote on issues, as you were talking about, there's sometimes compromises. Um, none of the issues go through just automatically, and they don't go through necessarily with the original language that was proposed by the administration. Nonetheless, Lori Lightfoot has a strong hand. She has not had to use her veto. Uh, she has won all of the votes, even though there had to be compromises along the way. So it makes more like a representative democracy, something we don't try very often in Chicago, but we're getting to view it this time around. And should people um, be heartened or a little concerned about the different factions? Because, you know, each faction seems to represent particular interests, not always the same interest, but for example, you've got a progressive caucus that uh, now has more democratic socialist members than, than before. Uh, the Latino caucus uh, exerted itself, uh, especially during REMAP, and we may talk about that a little later, but does the factionalism better serve the uh, constituency or can it be more counterproductive? Well, the whole principle of democracy is that you shape uh, the final policies based on debate, discussion, uh, tug and pull, uh, different interests coming into play, and then resolve it. And the way it resolves currently is there is a moderate liberal block in the city council, mainly made up of the committee chairman, and the people from the other blocks join or uh, don't join uh, on different issues. But in each case, a majority is created and we move forward. Uh, I think we've made great strides during the last three years. Uh, we overcame COVID. Uh, we were able to get a new police contract with much better language on discipline. We were able to put in marijuana dispensaries to decide a casino would be built to end aldermanic privilege in a number of different kinds of circumstances, improve ethics in the Invest Southwest program, which has poured more than a billion dollars into 10 poorest neighborhoods in Chicago, which has never been done, at least since Harold Washington. And Tom Gradle, are you as uh, comfortable with the, uh, the, the development of the various caucuses and factions uh, as Dick? Well, I, I am. I'm, I'm very comfortable with with aldermen acting like they're a, they're a co-equal branch of the government. I've, I've always believed in Chicago, especially, but in many of the governments uh, that I'm familiar with, the executive has way too much power and the executive has too much sway over what happens and when it happens. So I like to, I like to see uh, the aldermen acting like they're a co-equal branch of government. And I think that the public needs to catch up and get educated. I, I think the public is much too enamored with a strong executive. They want the boss and they, you know, who's the boss? And that's, that's their way of thinking. And I think we should get rid of that. And I like to see the city council doing more, more of it. By the way, I think we should give some credit to uh, Lozaire Rossi, uh, who did a lot of the, who did all of the actual numbers research and he's also responsible for really playing, paying close attention to the caucuses and the voting blocks. And, and so his work is really important to this whole 
this whole endeavor. Hmm. I, I want to, uh, while we're talking about the different caucuses, that played out very strongly during the remap uh, for listeners who, if it was possible for listeners not to follow this, given how much we did the, the story even on uh, at issue, uh, it is that the council has had to have uh, ward boundaries redrawn uh, because of, at least prompted by the new census. Of course, all kinds of other considerations go into it, which is why it's always probably, if it, it, you correct me, Dick, Dick, if I'm wrong, but I think the most contentious times for the city council seems to be when they're doing remap. No other issue seems to divide the council more vehemently or bitterly uh, than that. But it really came to a head with the Latino caucus uh, pushing for more representation. But it, it, the alignments went all over the place. And I, I, you know, I don't know what, tell me what you make of that dynamic coming into play when something as important as REMAP comes up? Well, first of all, I support uh, the independent commission approach, and we did have one this time, but it wasn't sanctioned by uh, City Hall. It didn't uh, come from the city council and it didn't come from the mayor. It did work. Um, there's a bunch of issues involved in remapping. You have to, first of all, be equal in size. You can't be discriminating uh, against racial minorities or other minorities. Uh, you have to try, if you can, to be compact, contiguous, meaning all in the same. You can't have, a, uh, as we do in a couple of the Chicago wards, just a string like we have out to O'Hare uh, that is called city property, even though it's only the expressway. Um, and the, the maps uh, go the same way. Um, so we, and the most important thing is we need to protect communities. Poor Inglewood has been divided in some remaps is into seven different wards, often is more than four. Uh, and even in this remap did not come out well. Um, the reason that's important is if you're trying to get something done for your community and you have to get the approval of three, four or five aldermen, it becomes almost impossible. One will always object and stand in the way of progress for the community. So remapping is very important. And as you suggest, what we had this time was a fight between the Black Caucus because the African-American population decreased by about 250,000 people who left Chicago and the Latino Caucus, which had a gain of almost the same amount. And Latinos have been discriminated against in the previous remaps every decade and have never had proper numerical representation the same as their population in Chicago. Yeah, and it did increase in the uh, the new map, but not as far as the Latino caucus wanted it. And uh, frankly, there was some punishment involved too, because Gilbert Viegas, who is uh, the head of the Latino caucus, had his, if you think the uh, the little string of property going out to O'Hare, uh, is, to make that Chicago is uh, unusual. The uh, 36th Ward, Gilbert Viegas's ward, has an eight-mile stretch that is literally one, one street wide. 
uh, along Grand Avenue. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it still does that. But, well, uh, we're going to talk about the mayor in just a second, but I just want to remind our listeners that you are listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. We're talking about the Chicago City Council and the mayor with former alderman and UIC political science professor Dick Simpson and former political consultant and co-author Tom Gradle. Um, especially with as many uh, factions uh, as there are, uh, is it, does it mean that the job of being mayor is getting considerably harder? Uh, and, and, and is that a bad thing, but, Tom? Well, I, I think it is. It's certainly getting uh, stuff through city council is harder. Um, and the, the job of mayor is getting harder for a lot of other reasons, too. I mean, um, you know, television, you know, weakened the power of the mayor. Um, you know, um, the Internet and social and, and uh, you know, social communications and the ability of people to, to communicate and get together uh, and not dependent on somebody telling them. Uh, what's going on from from top down? That has weak, weakened the power of the mayor o- over the years. I I think the powers of the mayor in in the past in the history has been abused uh, and uh, has been to the detriment of of the people that live here. Now it's been done with the public's tacit approval, um, and you know that's you know that's another thing. Um, that's that's important. And Dick has been doing a lot of work on educating people about how to how to participate in government. And that, you know, should start earlier in our lives. But we as a as a public are not very good at doing things as a group fairly. Um, You know, we we don't you know, I've been involved in a cooperative. I've been involved in condo associations, and people are really not very good at getting together and making decisions and making things happen. They need to be, and they should be. And at least that was the idea of the founders of this this country, or at least that's the idea they espoused. And uh, we need to do more of it. And you know, we sh- we need to get good at it. Um, and I, I I like what's happening um, uh, from that standpoint. And Dick, yeah, the last time you and I spoke, it was about very, that very thing about people getting together and being more active. Uh, but you know, as as Tom said, sometimes people really, well, both of you have said, people want a boss, they want a strong leader, and start to get um, discouraged when they don't see that. And isn't that a problem? Well, the largest problem is people generally don't have the power to affect government policy directly. They don't get to take a vote that we're going to do this remap or that remap, to use your last example. Um, and that's that's very problematic. It means uh, representative democracy means we work through representatives. And the nice thing about the current city council is they're beginning to act as representatives of their own communities and their own constituency uh, in many ways, that doesn't mean they aren't ambitious. It doesn't mean they aren't greedy. Doesn't mean they don't make mistakes. That they don't say foolish things. But in general, they're being pressed by their constituency, and they're trying to act on behalf of their constituency much better than they did. For instance, when I was in city council under Mayor Daly, where 
Uh, we had the Silent Six uh, Black Alderman, for instance, uh, in uh, the early daily years, they couldn't even offer legislation. Uh, I once uh, watched them all vote except for the independent African-American aldermen like Bill Cousins, uh, Anna Langford. Uh, they all voted that it was okay to firebomb homes. That is, they were unwilling to take a stand against firebombing homes, although it was black homes that were being firebombed by whites and white neighborhoods. Uh, it's hard to imagine that kind of thing happening in today's city council. I can't imagine an alderman with a real constituency uh, acting so obviously against the interest of that constituency. But having a, you know, having a, a, a stronger mayor could eliminate some of that. But, uh, but on the other hand, you have more conflicts, people are, there's more fighting and sometimes apparent stalemates uh, where it's parliamentary maneuvers that go on for weeks or months that's, and things getting stalled in committee. I mean, people now have heard the statement, the rules committee where, legis where measures go to die. Uh, that's, still, that's still there. And isn't that a problem? And how do you solve that? Well, it is, but let's take a, a, a couple of examples of what's happened in the Lori Lightfoot years. For instance, let's take the pandemic powers. I think uh, the mayor did a very good job with her health commissioner, who was outstanding, in helping us all stay safe in the worst pandemic in 100 years that hit the United States. Um, she took a strong leadership position. And she even had executive powers to act without the city council. But the city council very carefully limited those powers and stayed critical and acted as direct liaisons to their own, uh, their own wards, sending out uh, their social media posts and their regular email uh, blasts. Uh, I think the pandemic is an example of a strong mayor, but strong um, boundaries set by the city council. And that's generally true on most of the votes. Uh, the mayor mostly got what she wanted, but not always in the form that she had proposed and often with very severe limits. If you, if you look at the current budget, for instance, the mayor came in with one budget, the uh, progressives uh, in the city council said, hey, that's not good enough. We're getting all this federal money we want much bigger social programs. We want more aid to our communities for economic development and for housing and to deal with homelessness and mental illness. And by God, they got it. Uh, the current budget is one of the most progressive budgets in the history of Chicago in terms of what it's doing for the citizens of Chicago. Everything from preventing evictions uh, to uh, more money for homelessness than uh, in the entire time I've been active in Chicago politics, which covers more than 50 years, and I work directly on homeless issues. So I, I see it as it comes down. We're about to build a new shelter in uh, the north side of Chicago that will have more facilities and capacities than we've ever had. And I've worked in three different shelters uh, on the north side of Chicago working with the homeless. Uh, that's a great leap forward from my perspective, that we begin to deal with the real problems in a real way. And that's uh, both because of the mayor 
And it's because of the aldermen. The aldermen are pushing issues the mayor didn't start. And the mayor is able to then work out a way that makes it responsible. Sometimes the alderman's plans are not ideal and the mayor is able to correct them. Sometimes the mayor's plans are not ideal and the aldermen are able to trim them back. With uh, the last few years giving us COVID, uh, crime, unrest and such, I think some people may wonder why there is such a scramble to even be mayor of the city of Chicago. And is it not a daunting job that people should, you know, if they were in their right minds, they would run away from? Uh, Tom? <laughs> well, you, I wouldn't run for, for office. I, I, you know, I, I think people don't realize that, you know, and politics is difficult. Governing is much, much harder. I mean, governing is a very difficult thing. It's, and people, people don't realize it. And I don't think we give uh, people that are good governors or good presidents, we don't give them enough credit um, because it is difficult. You've got all these people with all different opinions. They have all sorts of pressures on their own lives to make money, take care of the kids, everything else like that. And You've got to get them all, or at least you've got to get 50% of them to agree to something. Uh, and it's much, I know I did a lot of community organizing type work. It's much easier to organize people against something than it is to organize people for something. And it, it, it's, much, it's much more difficult. And um, so anybody that succeeds that way should get a lot of credit. Um, you know, more, Lori Lightfoot has more opposition, more conflict, but, but I think she's up to it. I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I don't, I don't praise politicians at all or, or, or fall in love with them. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in what, in what the public does and, and how they are able to you know, get involved and, and pressure for good things to happen and politicians will pay attention when the public really is interested in something really wants something politicians pay attention and so and i think that's that's the important thing and i like i like what's happening with the council go ahead i would just add uh, craig to your question um i think it is um important that politicians have uh, what some of our former presidents called the vision thing uh, that they have a view of what's going to be the best Chicago we can possibly be. What should we be in the future? Not uh, have some knowledge of the past and all the problems of the current, but I think people should run for office like mayor because they see a, a possibility for good things to happen and that they can communicate that vision. And as uh, the old mayor daily used to tell me, you don't have the votes, kid, that they can get the votes to actually bring that vision into real life, even if it changes along the way. And I think that's important in, you know, in terms of making a decision personally about who to support for mayor this time around. I think the question we ought to be asking is who has the best vision and the ability to be able to get what that vision brought into reality that we agree with. How, and we're, we've only got about a minute or so, uh, how do we control for the fact that so much of this is about 
the public perception, the things, the commercials, the things that make everything a person we don't like does look bad. Uh, and, and, you know, how, how do we fight that? Well, we first change the way we do elections and get public funding so that we're able to get honestly the message from all, all of the candidates uh, that are reasonably uh, qualified to run. Uh, and until we do that, we're going to be bombarded with negative ads. And that's the bane of our existence. Both we don't like it when we see it on television or hear it on radio, uh, but uh, it, it also produces apathy and unwillingness to participate. So if we could do one thing that would fix some of the election process, I think public funding of all campaigns from the local aldermanic and mayor up to the presidency is where we need to go. Well, that is going to be the final word. That was Dick Simpson, uh, the uh, political science professor from UIC and also political consultant and co-author Tom Gradle. Thank you both for spending this half hour with us. Uh, to our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on odyssey.com. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. We'll be back next week with another edition of Ad Issue, and I hope you'll be listening until then from City Hall. I am Craig Delamore, 105.9 WBBM. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.